Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sanderland podcast. I'm Jamie, and with me, as always, is... Joe, Dina, and Dak. And this week we are covering Mistborn Book 2, The Well of Ascension, Chapters 14, 15, and 16, wherein Ellen gets a talking to from the Terrace Woman, Sazed has a disturbing encounter in a Scar village, Vin does some revision of Elendi's diary, and it's Ellen's turn for a makeover. Uh, the suspense is building, so everybody hold on to something. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Elders tell us, weepers of the violin, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we swivel and sing, and dig for the animals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. Okay, yeah, there was, I, I guess, you're right, I hadn't thought about it, but it, it's kind of Ellen's turn to get the My Fair Lady treatment after Vin got it last time, so uh, everybody gets a shot, maybe maybe next book, Breeze will get a makeover, <laughs> right? So, uh, I, Or maybe he's the most stylish, who, who would need a makeover yeah, I was about to say, on the crew? Have you seen his Look, I think He clearly knows <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> I really it'll, think Clubs needs a makeover. Like, Oh, yeah. I don't know that he's the kind of person who would agree to a makeover, but you're probably right. But I'd love to see no, them no, try. The real challenge. I think that would be the funny part. No, the real <laughs> challenge is going to be this terrorist woman trying to make ham wear sleeves. Oh, no, yeah. It's never going to happen. Okay, okay. So what did you guys think of these three chapters overall? Yeah, there's some uh, there's some fun stuff. This terrorist woman coming in and kind of telling Ellen, hey, shape up. I mean, I... I think we've all had jokes at Ellen's expense so far in the last book and this book. So it's obviously time for something to change. And with especially since he's the king now, I think it'll be exciting to see kind of what changes take place with him. I really liked I really liked the sazed side parts in this so far. I'm almost disappointed that he's on his way to Luthadel because I couldn't just read a whole book with just what's going on with sazed and the creepy villagers and... I, I, I'm really enjoying that that whole part of the book, and then yeah, more more Ellen gets a makeover. I'm I'm down. Yeah, yeah. There, I, I agree with you. Sazed has some really uh, some good stuff uh, while he's out and about on his own, away from other people, or at least I mean, and with Marsh, I guess. But uh... yeah, well, it's like a lot of the mystery. Like we know there's an overarching mystery that Vin kind of hasn't put her finger on yet, but I feel like a lot of the direct mystery with what's going on in the story right now is is centered around where Sazed is, so. Yeah, it's almost like we've got the one story happening in Luthadel, and then there's the bigger story, the the bigger mystery that they're so distracted they don't really notice yet in Luthadel. But uh, maybe, maybe yeah. Sazed showing up will get them on the wall. Right. It's like a real White Walkers situation going on when they've got Game of Thrones happening in the Central Kingdom or whatever it's called. Okay. The Spike Walkers. <laughs> the spike facers the white spike no okay there's yeah a couple more good chapters to read i agree with joe i'm loving what's going on with sazed as soon as he woke up you know under his tree and marsh wasn't there i was like ah oh, this isn't gonna go well i don't know why yet but i just know you know i didn't expect a whole village to have been wiped out effectively by sheer terror uh, but yeah everything about that just was so disturbing and 
horrible and yeah it's it's really I'm really interested to know what's going to happen with the mists as they're getting into Lutherdale because it's clearly out in the villages and the smaller areas definitely more prominent at the moment so yeah that that mystery is really really interesting to me I really enjoyed the terrorist woman just pretty much coming in here going like nope shut up Ellen Venture this is how you're going to be now I don't want to hear your excuses you know, you're <laughs> oblivious to the whole thing. Let's, yep, yeah, we're going to fix you. This is how it's going to go. I I really hope that Ellen takes some of it on board, which he seems to be doing towards the end of, of the chapters we read, probably yeah. by force at this point, but he's kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. I, yeah, I, I feel like her, her character, the, the terrorist woman, has the potential to really rub everyone the wrong way. And I don't really know what's going to happen with that but um no I enjoyed I enjoyed that scene for what it was too and I'm really enjoying coming back to the mystery of the deepness and that we're sort of talking about that again I'm still rooting for tentacle monster I think that's that's still a pretty cool image but yeah looking forward to seeing where that's going for sure yeah I mean it's with the stuff we say it is weirdly specific how it seems to be so far limited to these villages out in the middle of nowhere right yeah, and I don't know if it's just easier for, you know, the mist. I mean, obviously there's more to the mist than just mist and and you know, whatever whatever the Lord Ruler was doing to keep these mists at bay during the day, what it, however that worked. It, it's sort of rolling back in into these smaller areas. I'm pretty terrified to think what will happen if it actually gets to Lutherdale en masse. Obviously there is mist that we can interact with there, but... um. That's that's pretty pretty terrifying and pretty horrifying. You know, you, you look at it, okay, don't go outside because the mist will get you, but now it's holding us hostage and we're resorting to just, we'll, we'll just sit here and die because it's better than going outside and dying, which is just awful. And you just you think about that in a city. Oh, this could go really bad really quickly. Yeah, there's there's a lot of questions in and in, in things to be scared of here. Because like in the in the first village Saved was in, it was like somebody saw the mist stay one time and kill a guy for like a few minutes, and then he comes across this new village where it's like, oh yeah, it was here for days and weeks and never left, and so it's weirdly specific. And mm. I don't know, we're gonna get into some interesting stuff there. Uh, okay, for sure. Uh, Dak, right? What do you what do you get? What do you think? Yes, my name is Dak. <laughs> I remember yeah, I like how you I was said like, that. Did Joe already go, or is it Dak? <laughs> the way you said it was just like you were unsure who he was. Dak, right? Yeah, okay, that guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, Have I haven't we talked, met... talked to him in so long. It's, uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> as far as these chapters go, I really liked the Says chapter. I agree with what the others are saying. I think the mystery there is fascinating, and I really want to seek more in there. The stuff with Ellen and What's her name? Tinwill? That stuff was fairly interesting. Um, she kind of annoyed me, not because of anything she, anything about her specifically. I think I've always just had a bit of a dislike of like, all right, we've got all these established characters and then this random character just pops up almost out of nowhere and says, I know better than all of you and I'm going to take charge and everyone kind of lets them. I've always had issues with characters like that in other stories. So I think some of that just came, just sort of rubbed me the wrong way a bit here when she popped up and was just like, oh, I know better, I'm going to tell everyone. Even though, yeah, she definitely knows better than Ellen because that's not hard. 
and the lessons she had to give him were very good. I think I probably would just would have appreciated more if it was a character we already knew. But then by the same token, like that was the kind of the point. She was an outside influence who had never met Ellen before and wasn't already trying to cozy up to him or anything. So I don't know. It's just I just I just have issues with that kind of character. But for what it is, it was um, it was fairly good. Yeah, I did. I did like from from the Luthadel chapters, like I, my favorite bit was Vin going over the old logbook log and trying to work out what it is she saw because she remembered what she read. I remember we talked about that on a previous episode, so that was more interesting to me than watching this woman like slap Ellen around a bit. Interesting. So Joe was all for getting Ellen slapped around, but I, I see I see where you're coming from. Maybe if <laughs> if it's we'd gotten like to know the, her a little the, bit the, first. Yeah, yeah. Like the principle of him being slapped around, like. No problem with that. It was just who was doing it. It's like, who's this woman again? Why is she here? Mm. And like, she explains that, yep. and it all makes sense. It's all logical, but it's just the fact that this character sort of popped up out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, Ellen just trusting her with his life, and she's following him everywhere. And it's like, this seemed really fast, especially considering you're at war. It's true. That's that's actually a good point I hadn't thought of, where it's like, you know, one of the other armies could have sent this person. You're They're, they're trying to take over your city right now. Uh, but they're weirdly trusting of her in lots of ways, which I'm going to use to transition us right well, into the beginning of the chapter. <laughs> well, El- Ellen is, but Vin's not. Well, yeah, Vin then, is Vin. So. Vin, Vin. Vin never trusts anyone, so. Yeah. yeah. So, Alendi says, or not Alendi, Quan says in this <laughs> epigraph that they were all telling me that I was wrong, but I wasn't about to give up. Anyone who knows me knows that, which, okay, good to know. He's going to be dogged in his pursuit of finding, of investigating this. But the beginning of the chapter, and I don't know if it struck anyone else as odd when we got to this part. She, like, rips the bonds out, and Vin, and Ellen's like, uh, Vin, maybe you should come in now? And she's like, oh, no, she's not actually there. She left. And I was like, it was really weird that these people who are, they catch this lady spying on them. And then they just take her at her word that Vin is outside ready to protect the king, and I'll leave them there. Yeah, something's a bit weird with that. Everybody just kind of trusts her. Like, oh, if you say Vin is there, okay, that's fine. Maybe Doxon was secretly hoping, hey, like, if she, like <laughs> we can't lose. Either way, she'll talk some sense into him or she'll get rid of him. Then we can put someone better on the throne. Interesting point. I wonder who would end up on the throne <laughs> if they get rid of Ellen. It, it would probably be somebody, like, even suckier with our luck, right? So I think the entire government would fall apart and they'd just be easy pickings for the army. The entire government was pretty much Ellen's idea, so it's entirely possible. Yeah. So. It's all just going to fall to infighting and um, people trying to claim it for themselves. You'll have a dozen claimants and then the two armies out the front are just like, all right, sweet, let's go. <laughs> Ellen's like, uh, okay, I'm going to call for the guards now then. And she's like, don't be, don't be stupid. If I wanted to kill you, I could do it before they got in here, which that's nice. And then she just immediately starts out uh, like sparking orders at him. Like she looks, she's like, stand up straight. Stop slouching. She's like, now, while I appreciate advice, I don't. And she's like, no, 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 no. Don't talk like that. She's just like every everything about him. She's finding some issue with. But particularly, she just keeps calling out the way he talks, really. I feel like I got some serious vibes of um that scene in Spider-Man Far From Home where like the the European agent gives him the stealth suit and like he's just staring at. She just starts yelling. I was like, take off your clothes, put it on. I was like. I got some serious vibes of that off of this. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see that. And then Flash Thompson comes in and sees and goes and tells Vin that Ellen is getting naked with some... No, again, that's not... 
uh, okay, so he says, do you know Sazed? And she's like, he's an acquaintance. I've always pronounced her name Tindwill, but I don't know how actually you should say that. That was my, my assumption, too. Mm. <laughs> she tells him that he has a slovenly appearance. She's like, Sazed warned me, but I didn't believe any king could be that bad. Which I feel like I feel like everyone, Joe especially, should just be loving the scene where it's like, yes, these are all the things that annoyed me about Ellen being king. When, he, when, we, when we found out he was king, everybody is like, oh, my gosh, what the fuck? They put Ellen as king. And now she's just calling out all those same things. It's like, you were not a good king for these reasons. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't particularly annoyed with the specifics that she was talking about. Rather, I think he just needs to take his role, I guess, more seriously. And I, and I think that's partially what she's saying it's like in order to appear as a king you need to do these things and so my problem wasn't with ellen's character specifically it's only when he's in his king like he, he's a king now it's time to stop being what he was and start being what he basically said yeah i'll, I'll step up and be king so it's time to start being that and so i think what's going on is pretty appropriate for this character at this time and and i'm not trying to disagree with dak but i think I think in order for this transformation to take place, it kind of had to be initiated by somebody who's not close to him and who who we don't know or haven't met before. Because I feel like, you know, if it's clubs taking him under his wing and be like, let me show you how to be a king, he's going to be like, what are you talking about? You don't know how to be king. Like, you know, it, it had to be somebody from the outside that had yeah, his best interest. And, and it makes sense that it's a keeper, too, because obviously this lady has clearly memorized all of these kings and lords and stuff like that um, so she she knows exactly how he's supposed to look and act and they don't and like she keeps saying like they don't have time for him to 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 all of a sudden become a king he's got to fake it until he can make it basically cuz they don't have time yeah like the the wolves are at the door now like they've got to they got to get going i mean that that's yeah I don't. I agree with everything you've said. I guess it's just that character type that does pop up. I don't know whether it's always bothered me a bit, but that's right. It, 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 in in story, logically, everything you've said is 100% accurate and and makes sense. So it's an interesting point that no one else really knows anything about being a ruler at this point because the Lord Ruler's been the only one for a thousand years. So no one but a keeper could ever really comment on like this is what rulers are like, other than the Lord Ruler. Keepers have the the book being king for dummies memorized. <laughs> <laughs> I want that book now. I, I have to admit that I, I totally relate to Ellen in some of his lines here, though. He's like, yes, well, while this is fascinating, I'd rather avoid further insults this evening, if you'll excuse me. And I'm like, yep, that's how I would take this. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But she makes uh, some pretty good points. She's like, the assembly that you yourself organized ignores you. The Ska don't think you can protect them. Even your own council of friends makes their plans in your absence, assuming your input is no, to be no great loss. Which, yeah, on one level, that's fair. On another level, it's like, well, he, he did leave them alone for two hours. What else were they supposed to do? But again, that's another one of his failings. It's like he just left them here when yeah. you had a meeting. You should do your research before the meeting and have everything prepared. That's That's just politeness, right? But Kelsier was always late. It's fine. They're used to it, I guess. And I like when he says, in the last year, I've read every pertinent book on leadership in, and governance in the four libraries. And she's like, well, then I suspect you spent a great deal of time in your room when you should have been out being seen by your people and learning to be a ruler. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. <laughs> she says that she, while says 
focuses on religion. She studied biographies of famous generals and kings and emperors who no one's ever heard of these days. And uh, she's like, you know, are you going to let me tell you what to do, basically? And he's like, well, Saves was always super useful, and I really could use some help here because I suck at this. So, all right. At least he can admit it. never known an evil terrorist, man. Oh, wait. Oh, well, (laughs) You know, she notices when Vin comes back, and Vin's like, how did you know I was here? And she has an interesting line there where she's like, Sace mentioned you as well. We should talk soon, I think. Which, you know, what do you think that's about? What is she going to talk to Vin about? Uh, uh, If she understands biographies, maybe she has uh, a more objective description of Alendi than his own Mm. diary. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Somebody might have written something about the dude. I also like that Vin immediately says, why are you here? And she's like, you know, it took this dude like several minutes to get there. I like that you went there faster. You guys make an interesting couple. <laughs> and Ellen's like, is there anything I should be practicing? And she's like, yes, stop saying, um, right. Okay. Which, hey, that's always a good public speaking uh, tip in general. What were you telling us? You, you told us a story before, Jamie, about uh, about saying, um, but it wasn't actually on the show. Do you want to go back and? Oh, yeah. So when I was in uni, we had to do a professional practices course. And part of that was to... Uh, effectively be on trial and we had to give witness testimony and every time one of us would say um our lecturer would say his own first name so every time I say um or I hear someone say um I hear someone in the background go Keith (laughs) so (laughs) it still doesn't stop me saying um and I catch myself doing it all the time and I hate it but yeah now I just hear um Keith I guess the first step is being aware that you're doing it, which he uh, managed to help you with. That's it. If you ever, okay, listeners, it's a bit of advice. If you ever want to know what your most annoying habits are, just video yourself talking for about 30 seconds and just see what you do. I say, um, and I would flick my, uh, my fringe out of my eyes. So I don't have a fringe anymore. Um, (laughs) yes. Um, um, there you go. I did it again, but yes, that's what I learned most from that class. So when you hear, when you read the book and like you see in the text people talking, and if Ellen says "um," do you hear like is, do you hear someone in your head say "Keith" even if it's in text? I haven't really thought about it that much. <laughs> You're gonna now. <laughs> now I will. So thank you, Dad. I appreciate it. <laughs> that all. My dad always used to say "leg." If you'd said "um," it's such a dad thing to do. That um is and that's leg. an interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now I know when my kids get to, like, public speaking class how to uh, help them improve. I'm going to say leg. (laughs) (laughs) It does work. You're aware of it. It doesn't stop me, but I'm aware of it. Uh, Okay, back to the the chapter. Ellen is also going to work on not saying um. And see, (laughs) just that interaction makes me want to go back and read in the book and see if he said um before and then, like, see if he says it after this. But uh, I don't know that that's the kind of thing that the author wouldn't even include, you would think, in uh, in the book. If one of the characters said, um, unless you were trying to make a point of it like he was here. Yeah, oh, okay. but there's so, all that also that really subtle, uh, like we were talking about in a previous um, episode. Um, <laughs> that's true. In the previous episode where was it says or he says, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
I guess that there's that he does, Brandon Sanderson does put that subtext into it, and you you don't even realize that it's being written or being said, but it shapes who this person is and how they talk. So he probably has said it a lot. Tinwill, despite being a lot more uh, confident in her discussions than Sazed, actually uses that same thing a few times during this very chapter where, uh, like, she says to Vin, Sazed mentioned you as well, child. We should speak soon, I think. And then she says, you're mm. an interesting couple, I think. So it's it's very much like a terrorist affectation, it seems like. And I just searched the book for Um out of curiosity, and... The first time Ellen says it is in this scene, but he says it twice in this scene. Yeah, okay. I guess it's a it's a tick for when it, whenever he's caught off guard by something which Tinwill very much did, but when he's giving his speeches or, you know, working on other shit like that, then he's uh, less likely to say, you know, have Hopefully. those little trip, trip overs. And as soon as she's gone, Ellen, uh, Vin is like, I don't like her. And she's like, you don't like anyone at first, Vin. And they have <laughs> the romantic discussion, which is like, I liked you, which reminds me of, uh, I don't know if anyone else, Avatar The Last Airbender, when uh, Zuko and Mai are talking about how they hate everything. And it's like, I don't hate you. She's like, I don't hate you either. <laughs> and then they kiss, because that's Aww. as romantic as they get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, teenagers. <laughs> it's so, it's so is a teenager, same <laughs> thing. Uh, and Vin asks... You know, hey, did they did they like the plan? I didn't really listen, which we know because in the previous chapter we saw her and Orsur is like, hey, should we go listen to the king's meeting? And she's like, nah, it's fine. And he tells her, you know, they agreed to it. You were right. They seemed even kind of excited about it. And he doesn't tell her when she asks about Tinwill, he doesn't tell her exactly what she's doing here. He just says she's just here to pass on some knowledge. You know how keepers are. And she doesn't like the idea of giving up the city either, which when he tells her what their original plan was. She's like, no, we can't do that. And what I found really interesting, maybe my favorite section of this chapter, is where Ellen is really introspective about it. And he's like, what worries me is that maybe their plan was already foolhardy and unreasonable because that's the kind of people they are. And maybe my plan is just so insane as to make that kind of plan look good. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, do you guys think that there's any chance that Ellen's plan could work? I mean, Joe last time was like, no, now that they've laid out the plan, there's no way it can work because they just laid out the plan. I don't know that they'll ever get a chance to enact their plan. Ooh, what, what, how do you mean? Well, I mean, they spell things out and they go, yep, this is how we're going to do it. And something then will happen, which will throw that whole plan off course. So like, there, there may not be a need to go through with their plan in the end. So if everything was going to go like sort of according to their plan, like they might pull it off maybe, but there's, there's a lot riding on it. But yeah, I think, I think something will happen and they won't ever get to that point anyway. So kind of like last time when the army never actually got to be involved because it got revealed too early and slaughtered. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So maybe they'll achieve their ultimate goal of being able to keep the city, but I don't think this plan that they're trying to do is going to work. Okay. Seems reasonable enough as, you know, if you're genre savvy enough to know that when you have the whole scene where they lay out the plan, you're like, well, the plan's not going to go like that then. <laughs> now that you've said it. Yeah. It's... <laughs> you just jinxed time. it. Jeez. <laughs> well, so that this means it would be a big surprise. These meetings. <laughs> it would be a giant surprise if they laid out the plan and it went exactly according to plan then. 
You would be expecting that. <laughs> Point. Uh, Jack's like, we shouldn't have these meetings. Should they just like, it, like keep their plans secret from each other and be like, let's improvise? Why do you they think Ellen was day. late? He was trying to de- trying to avoid <laughs> turning up and laying out the plan. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense, people. <laughs> and they have they have this little discussion about like standing up like fighting these kind of hopeless fights or whatever she says you can't let others beat you down forever kelsey or tommy that reen taught me that the rebels were fools but reen is dead now and so is the final empire so which there's a point there although reen died like protecting her so it's not even really and she does not tell him about the mist spirit when he asks her how the patrol went which may be because last time she mentioned it he thought that she was seeing things so that was the impression i got and she is worried about the deepness and the things the Lord Ruler said when he died, which is what she spent a lot of time thinking about in the last chapter. So it's kind of consistent here. She brings up her concerns to Ellen, who she's like, hey, you guys had religion, right? You noblemen. So what do you know about this? And it turns out that they didn't really pay much attention to religion either. But there's a big, long discussion, and we still don't have any more information about the deepness than when we started. So... Kind of par for the but at least here. now the question has been raised. Like, like, I feel like that goes a long way because, like, in the last book, it was kind of just a thing that they just never talked about, it. and I think that was particularly frustrating for the three of us because it was like we wanted to know more, and like they were making a point of not talking about it at all. Whereas now they've actually got someone going, "What is it? What actually is it?" So that gives me hope that cool. It, that's a question that will be answered soon. Guys, guys, don't you remember we settled this? The deepness is inside all of us, man. <laughs> Still potentially true. <laughs> it could be inside of everyone and also a tentacle monster. Well, I mean, if yeah. the deepness is the mist, the mist is getting into people, so the deepness really is inside at least those people. The, the dead people? Yeah. Maybe they'll turn into mist zombies, and then they really exactly will be like white walkers going on. <laughs> that's what this this uh planet needs <laughs> mist zombies you can set up for a massive war between the candra and the mist zombies and it's like no we're the real mist monsters humans were the real monsters all along damn poses <laughs> <laughs> but in the end ellen just kind of like uh, don't we have enough to deal with like there's two armies outside do we really have to worry about mysterious deepness from a thousand years ago that's not really relevant to our situation which seems to be everybody like even in the last book like that's one of the reasons that nobody ever really talked about it was it's like yeah that's that's long gone we're not worried about that we're worried about the current evil god tyrant there's always more pressing concerns apparently than what vin wants to talk about it's very sad and she's thinking about these quotes from the logbook about the red sun and the brown plants and uh, asking him. She's like, Roshek didn't do that. He didn't give up the power of the Well of Ascension to defeat the Deepness, so why wasn't the world destroyed? And she starts thinking, maybe these plants and the weird sun, which Ellen's just like, what? Well, why wouldn't the sun? He, he has not been with us this whole time, as we discussed, why the sun would not be red and the plants brown. And so this is his first chance, and he says the same thing everyone else does, where he's like, that's weird green plants Ooh. apparently that was never covered in his books guess not 
He, he never had a copy of Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no Britain here. It'd be, you know, Encyclopedia Final Empirica. Empirica? Terrestica? That all the books in the four libraries aren't enough for him to know everything. I wonder what the four libraries are. That's such a weirdly specific number of libraries. You'd think a size of Lutherdale would have more than four libraries. Yeah, right? Hmm. Yeah, but from what Ellen's been saying, like the Lord Ruler and his ministry didn't exactly co- encourage intellectualism. No, not so much. True. You, you weren't supposed to ask questions and learn things. That, not helpful. And uh, she thinks about the Wall of Ascension a little bit, and it's like, hey, is that still up there in the Terrace Mountains? Hmm. Maybe that will have something to do with the name of the book. She wasn't thinking that, but <laughs> but they changed topics. We do bring that up a lot, don't we? Yeah. Some, it's got to come up somehow, right? Maybe. Unless it doesn't. <laughs> but uh, she tells Ellen what she learned from Orstur about Chandra and how they can try to spot people and figure out who the Chandra really is. And she has a moment where she's like, wait, could it be Ellen? And she doesn't She doesn't want to test. She doesn't want to know. She's like, I would rather trust... I finally get what Kelsier was saying, where he would rather trust Mare than suspect her, even if she was uh, did betray him. That's kind of sweet. Some character development from Ben. But she says, you're smiling. Do I get to hear the joke? And she says, nope. <laughs> Ellen says that he doesn't think it could be any of the crew, because he talked with them all and they seemed like themselves, but that's not really enough. And Ham's at least smart enough to suspect what these bones were that they found. So I feel like that's the first person you should talk to at this point. Be like, if Ham is already suspicious, let's go ahead and get him cleared. But that's just me. Why is Vin so so eager to spar all of a sudden? Every friggin' day, she's like, let's spar. (laughs) It only takes once. You just gotta catch him using pewter one time. And I think they use it constantly when they spar. So it really shouldn't take very many times. I don't know. Maybe Vin's just extra paranoid. It's like, maybe Orisu was wrong. I can pierce copper clouds. What else don't we know? Well, this is true. I don't know. This is complete bullshit. I'm just pulling out of my ass. It's it's an interesting note to, uh, to just keep in mind that all the stuff that everyone tells us is true, we have several times found out that they just really don't know what they're talking about when they say these things. So you can never be sure of anything. There's always another secret. And uh, Vin ends the chapter by telling the Mist that she's not going to fear it and going out to do another set of rounds. She's uh, she's working hard to guard Ellen. We get the next epigraph where uh, Quan says that he decided Elendi was the Hero of Ages and he was going to prove it. And he now regrets all of these things that he did, like insisting on traveling to witness his journeys. It was inevitable that Elendi himself would find out what I believed him to be. So that's an interesting note. That's it, He makes it sound like that was the worst part that Elendi eventually realized. Is it mm. one of those things where the Chosen One had to do all the stuff without realizing they were the Chosen One the whole time? Or That would be tricky. Hmm. But, I mean, that's a fairly common trope that shows up in in fiction. Like, uh, we've been watching his Dark Material series, and I read the books a long time ago, and it's a case of, yeah, she's got something very important to do, but she can't know that she's doing it. Hmm. I don't know how you send a guy to the Well of Ascension and tell him to give up the power that's found there to save the world without knowing what he's supposed to be doing. Without telling him? <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, you want to come for <laughs> Say, a stream man, over at my a... place? It's way up in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh just go in there figure it out right i don't really have any clues for you here maybe this uh maybe this big block of ice will help i don't, I don't really know what to give you here take this <laughs> hey can you just I mean, go just into that sign cave on the fence and grab well. something for me <laughs> it's just got a sign you know beware of tentacle monster like bark <laughs> or something. Like, don't worry about that that's just fluffy just keep going fine it reminds me of some like comic or joke that i saw about about uh, elder scrolls which i i just had to take because i've never played like really any of the games but it was like what was the one before skyrim oblivion okay so it was like in skyrim when you get a quest they're like go northwest to this exact location and this thing is right here under this thing and here's even more exact information about how to find it. And then it was like, when they give you a quest in Oblivion, it's like, go that way maybe. There's a cave called this, or, or maybe it was called that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I think it's that direction. Just go find it and do a thing. <laughs> I think that might have actually been Morrowind, which was the one even before that. Uh, okay. But yeah, but, that's that's what the discussion reminds me of. <laughs> they're like, hey, Lindy, go into the mountains. There's a cave or something. Maybe it's maybe it's a hut. I don't know. Just yeah. do a thing up there. There's a monster. It might be a tentacle monster. It might be a giant crab. It might be a zombie. It might be a witch. I don't really know. It might be a but horde of zombies. A giant yeah. crab witch zombie. Yeah, it might be these mist creatures that stab you with like psychic knives. I don't know what it is, but it's there. <laughs> Probably. Psychic knives? Well, some kind of knife. Oh, like God, it's that British girl from the X-Men. Psylocke. Yeah. A knife made out of mist doesn't seem like it would... I don't know. We don't know enough about this weird mist creature to even theorize about how he goes around stabbing people. <laughs> so, next chapter. Chapter 15. On the eighth day out of the conventicle, Sazed awoke to find himself alone. So, Marsh has mysteriously vanished, which probably surprised no one, because he's being a weird weirdo lately he can't exactly just sleep under a tree he's got all these spikes in him he's probably like if he rolls over in the night it's gonna hurt <laughs> apparently they always hurt monster <laughs> no yeah i don't know apparently we found out last time that the inquisitors need to sleep a lot so maybe he has a special pillow he carries around with him he corks himself every night but this is an interesting section because it just he like says does something marsh did not return Says does another thing. Marsh did not return. Marsh did not. Eventually, he just kind of gives up. And he's like, yeah, Marsh knows the way to loot the Dell. He'll catch up. It's fine. I don't know why you would expect that he's still going the same way as you if he has mysteriously vanished. But whatever. Says he didn't leave a note. And we know Says has paper. Totally could have left a note. And so he's heading uh, towards Luthadel and finds this village and even dips into his metal mines to get a, information about the village as he's heading in there. It is the gazetteer listed Urbine as picturesque. <laughs> I was like, if that's anything like a real estate listing, it's probably not picturesque. Oh, that's my so shit. True. It's quaint. <laughs> a real fixer-upper, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the whole village is a real fixer-upper. Yeah. It's awfully small. Charming. Some people would call it cozy. <laughs> I mean... You know, with the right with the right people, like you know the property brothers or something, they can go in there and flip that whole village. I th I think they'd make a pretty pet. <laughs> flip that village. They <laughs> left the goats there, so it, it couldn't get goats. worse. Yeah, you got your own goats right there. All the milk and 
goat cheese you want. I mean, it'd be easy to flip. Just get rid of the bodies. So what, yeah. What is what are some <laughs> of the features you gotta fix up? Well, we can stop by getting rid of the corpse pile. Yeah. <laughs> or AKA food. We haven't gotten there yet though. No. <laughs> so uh he he heads into the town and uh he's wondering about like why are all these livestock just wandering around? And the wind shifts and he's like, Oh, no, the Ska aren't hiding. They didn't leave. That is the scent of a bunch of rotting bodies. So this raises an interesting point. The mist came and took the humans, but left the animals. So the mist is only targeting humans, nothing else. Well, maybe, because what we know, at least if if uh, if this guy can be believed, is that some people died going out into the mist. Some people had attacks of some kind and then got up and were fine and some people just walked out and were fine so could be same thing with animals he's only seeing the goats that are still alive and there could be some dead ones hanging around i don't know yeah he, yeah he didn't mention any so i just assumed okay the goats are okay unless the goats are the mist <laughs> <laughs> never look at a goat again <laughs> <laughs> He, he heads into town, and it says it wasn't until he got closer and into the town that he found the first bodies. Lay scattered around the doorway to the nearest hovel, about half a dozen of them, and found out they were several days old at least. No visible cause of death, so that's not that's not optimal. And then he peeks into the hovel, and it is filled with bodies, most still wrapped in blankets, pressed up against the walls. Uh, there's some gross description that we don't need to get into necessarily but uh he can surmise that they died of starvation and dehydration uh he's just like how could they have run out of water and food like there's still goats running around i don't like how do you die of hunger when you have a herd of animals right here and he decides it must have been a plague or something this makes no sense the way that it's playing out and that's when he hears something and finds a uh a guy pretending to be dead. And he says, the man didn't need to work hard to feign death. His hair had fallen out and his eyes were sunken. And so he tries to convince him, like, hey, no, it's okay, man. I'm a friend. It's, 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 you don't have to be afraid. I, I have some food. And the guy's clearly not all there anymore. There is no food, he whispered. We ate it all, except dot, 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 the food. <laughs> it's just... like Horrific. Yeah. Uh, we thought that the... The conventicle chapter was creepy in one way. This is a very different kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of guy that, like, they might have found him in the conventicle. Like, I would have believed, I would have bought that, because this is freaky and weird. I didn't eat the food, the man whispered. And he explains that he can't go outside because of the mist. So he has to kind of draw this out of him, but he's like, the mist came and it stayed for days, weeks, all mist. And he's like, well... How come you didn't leave? Like, I know people are scared of the mist, but if you're going to start starving to death, then you would think that maybe it'd be worth braving the mists for this. And he tells him, uh, some people did. Jell, I keep wanting to read that as Jello. It's J-E-L-L, and I'm just like, it It feels like Jello to me. Uh, good old Jello, he was <laughs> a bullheaded one. <laughs> the mist took him, how he shook, how he writhed when it took him. Some got away. 
and they called to us after leaving the village saying it was all right. It didn't take them. Don't know why. It killed others, though. And some it shook, but they got up later, and some it killed. And Says is, like, this is more information on this weird mystery than Says has been able to get since he started looking into it. So this is kind of useful for him, despite being super creepy. And so he's trying to get more mm-hmm. information out of the guy. And he's like, okay, tell me more about who did it kill, who did it let pass, like, what do they have in common? <laughs> and the man says, time for food. And goes over to a corpse and pulls the arm off Ugh. and starts. Ugh. <laughs> and if he just pulled it right off, I can't imagine. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. And then as he's eating it, he looks up and realizes Says is there again. And he's like, it's not mine. And drops it. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, goodness, this guy. He says some shit. Yeah, he has. And s- I don't know what happens here at the end, really. Says pulls out a pewter mind and puts it on, and the guy screams and tries to run for some reason. I don't know. But Says gets stronger and then, like, knocks him out and carries him outside and kind of plops him down. And I guess maybe he didn't knock him out right away, because the guy, the guy, it says the guy looks up and says, the Lord Ruler, why did he abandon us? Why did he go? And so he says, the Lord Ruler was a tyrant. And the guy's like, no, he loved us. He ruled us. Now he's, now that he's gone, the mist can kill us. They hate us. Which, yeah, that's, of course, how much stock can you put in what the crazy cannibal guy is saying? But Yeah. When you see a man eat people, his opinion <laughs> is off the table. <laughs> when you see him not just eat people, but he's like in the middle of a conversation, he's like, oh, time for food. It's, <laughs> there's something really about that interaction that just, ugh. <laughs> Just beyond the eating people. There's like a whole nother level. And then the guy runs and says this like starts to go after him. And he's like, well, wait, what, what am I going to do? Take him to Luthadel? You, you don't want to be traveling with this guy is uh, is my opinion here. You're going to wake up and he's going to be like gnawing on your leg. So <laughs> just let him go. It's fine. Yeah, what do you what do you choice is the cannibal or the spike face? Eh, spike face is probably he can at least make <laughs> you know, sane conversation. Yeah kind of creepy like short conversation recently but better than this kind of makes you wonder what marsh would have done if he was here for this he probably would have just said well this guy's beyond saving snap yeah or even worse he'd be like hand me that other arm <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's not cool marsh might have putting him out of his misery might have been the way to go actually like who knows what this guy's gonna go and do now the villain for the third book is the great cannibal of the, of the Eastern Dominance. <laughs> yeah, he's going to set up his own kingdom. It'll be, oh, goodness. But Says decides that the time has come to, uh, it says he spent months filling up this steel mind in the preparation for the possibility that someday he might need to run somewhere very, very quickly. This is that time, apparently. So he's going to use his steel, which stores up speed. So face becomes the flash. Yeah. And I was just, I was trying to think, it's like, is it really, is, is the situation that dire that you need to use up your super hard to fill speed mine? But yeah, it might be. Yeah. There's no, when there's no cannibalism is involved. All bets are off. Well, that's one thing. Just getting <laughs> away from this guy is a good start, but I mean, there's no way for him to know if this is an isolated incident in this village or if it is happening everywhere. So, yeah. Well, the the account of the 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 body's shaking and all that sort of stuff that was similar to what he'd heard before, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
So he's got reason to believe that it is happening in more than one place. Obviously not to this level yet, but it's coming by the sounds of it. Yup, something, something is coming. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and that's the end of the Creepy Says chapter. That's like two Creepy Says chapters in a row. He's got like the horror story of this book. But yeah, most of his chapters have had like an undertone of creepiness to them. Like, yeah. I guess it wasn't his first chapter, the one where he was like trying to find out, all right, one person's died from the mist. And it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. I don't know. There was a little bit of creepiness to that because there was a mysterious death. But it was really more like CSI and then like trying to preach his religion, which no one wanted to listen to. <laughs> and then I think the second chapter we had was him was when Marsh showed up, which was creepy just because Marsh was conversation was unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our final epigraph for this week. Yes, he was the one who fueled the rumors after that. I could never have done what he himself did, persuading and convincing the world that he was the hero. I don't know if he himself believed it, but he made others think that he must be the one. So that's a really interesting take, because I feel like this is the first time that we've heard something that really doesn't jive with the person that we saw in the logbook, who was like, man, everybody tells me that, you know, the signs have been met, that I must be this hero, that I'm in the right place at the right time, but I don't really want to. Like, this is not fun. I am not enjoying this. And and here, here Quan is telling us, that, like, no, he went out and he convinced people he did the legwork, making everyone believe that he was the hero. I don't know. Do we believe one over the other? Or did they both, like, make sense in their own way? I think they each frame it the way they want to frame it. It's sort of who... Yeah, who do you actually believe one of them's going to go and make themselves out to be the good guy, and the other one's going to go and make themselves out to be the good guy? Mm. It's like, eh, more That's to uncover there. Everyone always thinks they're the good guy. That's a fair point. The history is written by the winners, but really, neither of these two won. Rashek did. Rashek did win and got to write history. That's that's why Alendi's story is like relegated to one book hidden away in Critic Shaw and Quan's story is on a giant metal plate hidden deep beneath the earth in the stronghold of the Inquisitors. Mm-hmm. And somehow we found both of these mysterious uh, ancient texts. It's kind of kind of ironic. Sazed kind of found both of them. I mean, Vin pulled it out of the palace and then dropped it and Sazed found it. But uh, it's weird that the same guy found both of those. There's something really fun about this Vin chapter where it's just like Vin rarely uses her quarters. But uh, now she's sitting among stacks of paper trying to figure stuff out. It's kind of cute. She's she's doing what you do, like where she's you know trying to search through the book for a certain mention of something. Yeah, she doesn't have a Kindle, though, so it's tough for her. It's very sad. Very difficult. <laughs> And so she's she's making piles of this book, like this one pile that has mentions of one thing, another pile that has mentions of another thing. And Horsehorse is like, what is what 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 are you even doing? And she's like, I thought you didn't care. He's like, well, I don't, but I'm bored, and I want to understand. It's <laughs> like this is the Lord Ruler's logbook. Well, not the Lord Ruler, the the guy who should have been the Lord Ruler. And he's like, what? How can you should have been the Lord Ruler? And she's like, no, no, this is the guy who wrote the logbook and went to the Well of Ascension, and then Rashek killed him and took his place. Do you, do you remember this stuff? Which, to be fair, I don't know that when they were reading through the logbook, they actually had Renu read it, because why? Like, it didn't really have anything to do with this part of the plan. <laughs> I think this actually supports my theory that this is not Orser, because I don't feel like 
from what we know about conjurers, I don't feel like they forget things. So for him to be kind of like, yeah, yeah, you you mentioned it. I feel like this conjurer's not actually Orser. I think it's a different conjurer pretending to be Orser. So I think this is backing up that theory I had that it's a it's a completely different conjurer. I'll give that to you. I think the I I agree. You could absolutely read this that way. That if you if you have that theory going into this, that makes complete sense with what uh, is coming out of this conversation. Because I I kind of had the same thought when I read it this time. Was like, oh, this you could read this in that way because Joe has been saying this thing for a few episodes now. So I don't disagree with you at all there. Throughout the last book, like uh, when he was Reno, he really didn't get involved in the plan at all because I think there was one meeting where he kind of just sat there and didn't take part. He didn't offer any contribution. He was just there. But for all his contributions, he may as well have not been. So I think that's just, it wasn't, yeah, like you're saying, it wasn't relevant to his part of the plan. So he didn't get involved in it at all. Yeah, I think actually, possibly ironically, that might be the meeting that you're talking about. Because like they show up at the house where, because Vin's been out of commission since getting stabbed at Critic Shaw. And he, they're like, oh, well, we thought you might want to attend the meeting this time since you guys never get to. And Renny was like, he didn't. We, we don't actually care. We don't need to be involved. And Vin's like, yes, yes, we, we do. We do care. Shut <laughs> up. And I think that I think that's the meeting where they talk about, like, how Says is translating this thing. And Breeze is like, hey, I want to read a copy of that. And everyone's everyone's like or several people want to get a copy of that. And Renu just sits there, like, not interested at all in what's happening. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's not part of it. It's not his part of the plan. Makes sense. But uh, but yeah, like I said, that's I funny. think Joe's reading also makes sense. So but we get to uh, where he's like, OK, yeah, all of that. Fine. Why are you ripping the book to pieces? And she uh, doesn't like thick books. <laughs> I was waiting. I knew it was coming. <laughs> but she says that I guess she's got like a spatial organization thing that helps her think through these things. She's like, it helps me think if I move stuff around and like yeah stuff. Well, you know, she's basically making references for herself. It's not like she can take a page and copy it and then keep right. it with other stacks of stuff. She's just putting it in orders where she can be like, okay, this is everywhere it talks about the deepness. This is everywhere. Like, from a researcher's perspective, she's actually doing, like, some pretty good research technique. Yeah, it makes like a lot of sense. She, she's keeping all that stuff together so she can read it back to back. And I really, I think the Orsor's main purpose here is to stop this from being a big long chapter of Vin having to think about these things to let us know what she's doing. Because it's like, if he wasn't there to ask like, Hey, what are you doing? And why are you doing that? It would have to be Vin sitting here being like, I am putting things in piles. And here is why I am putting things in piles. As she thinks to herself, somebody had to be there for it. Oh, great. Or so you've been promoted from dog's buddy to great course. <laughs> <laughs> but he continues to not kind of see the point. He's like, okay, so why are you looking through this book? Lord Ruler's dead. You killed him. So I've heard. But she is going through looking for information about various things, the deepness and the uh, the shadow, the mist creature. And she has this one moment where she's like, it watched him too. Bum, bum, bum. Creepy thing. And she's like, the mist spirit followed this guy. What does it imply for me that I, it is also following me? Assuming it's even the same Miss Spirit. We've had lots of theories about it being a completely different thing that's just similar, like the same concept, but a different being, basically. And she's just frustrated. She's like, why wasn't this guy more specific? Terrace prophecies are like mentioned vaguely. The deepness is mentioned vaguely. This is all stupid. And it 
reading these kind of starts to take her back in time to when she first read these things and she was pretending to be Valet. And she reads the part where uh, Alendi comes to a decision. Of course, I, she still doesn't know his name at this point, but he says, I must not assume I'm mad. I cannot, with any rational sense of confidence, continue my quest if I do not believe this. Therefore, the thing that's following me must be real. And she's like, hey, that's actually a good point. And I'm not sure that we actually got this in the previous book when she reads this section about the guy getting stabbed. We got some of it, but or maybe we didn't get any of this, actually. I believe that it would kill me if it could. There's an evil feel to the thing, but it seems limited in what it can do, especially to me. Roshek whispers yeah, I that I stabbed him section. myself. Yeah, I think it's I like that we get some more of Roshek hating him, though. He's like he whispers that I stabbed Fedek myself. Somehow knowing Roshek's opinion on the matter makes it much easier for me to believe the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> this asshole. Uh, see, I want. It, it, it's sad that Lendy is uh is gone. Like, hang out with this guy. He seems interesting. Well, yeah, if you believe his viewpoint and not Quan's, right? Mm. And she's still researching, still reading. She's like, you know, it doesn't mean the deepness is coming back or anything like that, right? And we cut to Ellen up on top of the walls, watching the armies as they dig in. He talks about the cannery that Set has a little bit and how this is new technology, only 50 years old or so. Uh, one of the things that uh, is mentioned only obliquely in uh, in these books is that the Lord Ruler kind of specifically prevented technology from advancing very much. I think oh, that, uh, that makes sense. I think Brandon has, has mentioned that like before the Lord Ruler's ascension, they discovered gunpowder or maybe even invented early guns. And he kind of even rolled that back because he's like, no, no, this is stuff that they don't need. So he held technology more or less at a standstill for a thousand years. God, I'm trying to picture Alamancy involved with guns. Hmm. Like just wait. Got an, uh, an iron pusher and like someone fires a bullet, you just flick it back at him. Boom. Easy. I guess it might be. I mean, it depends on. The bullet moves pretty fast, so you'd have to get a B on it really quick. But Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay, so Clubs comes up, and he's like, congratulations, you have a full-blown siege on your hand. Hands. There's two hands. It's fine. And he's like, you'd better be up to this, kid. And this is, I think, maybe the most we've ever seen Clubs talk. Uh, you were you beat me to it. I was about to say, like, I feel like we have seen way more of Clubs in the first 200 pages of this book than we did the entire first book. <laughs> not that i'm complaining i love clubs yeah and he's got an interesting kind of position on these things which it almost makes you understand why he wasn't super involved in the last book in all the planning because like when they met earlier he's just like hey if the kid wants to give it a try let him give it a try like he's not real active getting in there and trying to get the crew to do this or that he's kind of a go with the flow kind of guy which is a weird guy to have in charge of your army by the way but <laughs> well, he's He's, he's go he's go with the flow until he gets to these situations where it's all about battle and it's like that's something he understands better than the rest of them do. So he's just like, yeah, now I'm in my element. Like until they got to that point in the first book, he's kind of just like, yeah, you can crash at my place. <laughs> that, that that was mostly his role to be the dude whose place you can crash at. He also gets very active when uh, his nephew is giving him sass and he's like, you're gonna stay here until you tell me where you got that uniform. <laughs> that's one of his army army uniforms. Clubs is in control of the army. It's like, are you fucking with my army, boy? <laughs> but he's got some things to say. He's uh, 
He's like, this is a, everything's all about you now. That's a useful place for a king to be, I suppose, if he's a good one. Which, geez, that's that's more of a dig than I think we've ever heard clubs go for. And Ellen just comes out and he's like, I want your opinion. Am I a good king? And club says, you know, I've known worse leaders, but I've also known a hell of a lot better. So. Well, like you asked. Yeah. No, and I mean, Ellen doesn't even take offense at it. He's like, it says Ellen nodded slowly. And he's like, no, yeah, I get that. I want to be good at this because no one else is going to look after the ska, basically. And Clubs has a real interesting take on that, too, where he's like, the situation usually makes the man. Kelsier was a selfish dandy until the pits nearly broke him. Will this be your pits of Hathson, Ellen Venture? I guess we'll have to wait and see, he says. Also us. We're going to have to wait and see. But Yeah. I just really like this bit because it shows a lot more into Clubs' character. You know, for a while there, he was the grouch who also happened to be a very good craftsman. And then he was the the military general, which he's also very good at. And you think of, like, military commanding characters, they're just like, all they know is military. And we were just talking about how Clubs only really seems to be active in the military side of things. But he's a craftsman and he's actually got a bit of an insight onto what makes a man what makes a person like their experiences so he's actually quite smart and insightful he just doesn't get a chance to show it very often i thought that i, I found that really interesting i was like i want to know more of clubs's opinion on shit like, i feel like we didn't yeah we haven't had much of a chance but like a full conversation with the guy could be fascinating mm. like why don't we get ever get ham involved involving clubs in philosophical conversations <laughs> probably clubs would just grunt and be like whatever <laughs> yeah well but uh, his yeah, take yeah, talks on about shit that matters. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't matter. Bam's crap doesn't matter. His take on leadership really could go back to that whole military thing where if he was in the military for a while, he probably saw a lot of different leaders and would kind of have an yeah, idea about what makes a good leader. But he's not just like a dumb army man. <laughs> no, he's got some insight. And I just I, I really like the scene. I like I, I think I mostly like that we get to have a conversation with clubs for like the first time, basically. Yeah, but it's also good for Ellen. And then we find out that uh, the terrorist woman sent clubs up here to send Ellen down, basically. He's like, it isn't often you meet someone who feels like they can order me around. And we find out they have checked on Tindwell. They had terrorist people in the city come in and they all recognized her. And apparently she's a fairly important person back in Terrace. Yeah, they they, uh, they cross-referenced and they <laughs> called all her referees. And Tindwell says that it's time to do something about Ellen's clothing. Actually, there was one little note here that grabbed me. It's like, because she's used Ferrochemi, they said, oh, well, she's not a Kandra. And I thought, well, Orosua said that Kandras couldn't use Allomancy. Mm-hmm. He didn't say they couldn't use Ferrochemi. He did not. I had the same thought. Maybe, I mean, Ellen is the one who says it. So maybe they asked Orosua since then. It's like, oh, by the way, can they do this? But... Yeah, maybe they're making assumptions that we should not be making. Mm. Of course, how many Kandra can be in this story? Like, we, we've already got at least two. I mean, I guess... Could she, Everyone is Kandra. I don't think it makes any sense for her to be the second one. They found the bones before she yeah. even... They found the bones in the palace before she'd even been to the palace, as far as we know. So, it would be weird for her to be the, the, the one that came in then. So, she would have to be, like, a third one if she was a Kandra, right? Yeah. Yeah, everyone's just a Kandra. It's fine. <laughs> they'll, they'll all realize it at some point and be like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> Does this mean that the contract isn't, doesn't apply anymore? Like, the guy who's holding my contract is also one of us. It's like the 
there was a short story written by Alan Moore like I read years and years ago where it's they sent a spaceship into space and there was one character on it was a werewolf and he was hunting around looking for someone it's like another human to prey on and the first one he preys upon turns into a werewolf before he can do anything he's like oh you're also a werewolf he's like yes I am I thought you were a human no so then they team up and they go around to find some more prey and the next people they find are also werewolves secretly and no one had any idea that everyone else it turns out everyone on the spaceship is a werewolf and none of them had any idea that it was it's like guys we fucked up <laughs> that's amazing although it makes me wonder like do, how does the full moon transformation work on a spaceship uh, i don't remember it was like 10 years ago i read this okay now i'm gonna, now I'm gonna have to go find this story because i want to know now <laughs> i guess maybe there's versions of werewolves where they can just transform whenever they want so maybe that's what it is yeah, possibly. So Tindwell and Ellen have a discussion about his suits. And he's just like, oh, I know it's not quite as formal as what other men like to wear, but it suits me. And she's like, it's disgraceful. And he says, now I hardly see, don't argue with me. And he's like, but see you the other day. And so she's trying to get him into a some speaking habits that are not so. And we talked about his speaking habits last time because Brandon mentioned them in the annotations. But it's just like, he likes to say things like, now see, and have an argument about everything. And she's like, no, 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 no. Kings don't argue. Kings command. Slovenly was slovenly a lot. <laughs> she does. That's what I was about to say. Slovenly clothing invites other slovenly habits, such as your posture, which I have already mentioned, I believe. She's basically mad he's a slob. Uh, she, she spent all these years studying these biographies of kings and stuff, and now she... And there was no kings to meet. I mean, you could never, like, talk to a king because the Lord Ruler was the only one. So, presumably, this is the first king that she's, you know, run into. And she's like, dude, you suck. Yeah, I think she's yeah, just disappointed. She, she may just be disappointed in general. Like, you know, she's like, I thought this guy was going to be a king. <sighs> Here we have bitchy Mary Poppins. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> of course, apparently in the books, Mary Poppins is uh, much more, like, kind of harsh and uh, cold than she was in the first movie. Oh, so we have regular Mary Poppins. Yeah, kind of regular Mary Poppins. Oh, I think in the in the second movie, Mary Poppins Returns, she's supposed to be more like she is in the book. She I was know. fairly stern in that one, as I recall, so. Mm. But Ellen, Ellen starts to pick up on some of her, uh, her lessons already, because he goes, she says, you're not going to wear suits anymore, and he says, excuse me? And then she just stares at him, and he's like, all right, explain yourself. Got to give orders, not ask questions. And she makes a point about the suits where she's like, you know, that was one way to go. It made sense to keep wearing suits like the nobility did. It makes gives a sense of continuity and such. But you are at war now and your dress should reflect that. So he gets a white uniform. Yeah, it made me think the way it's kind of described. It made me think of Admiral Thrawn. Mm, yep. Like. I Absolutely see that. Or uh, even like the UNSC uniforms, uh, like the dress uniforms in Halo, very like, just like stark white, very buttoned up tight. Yeah, it's definitely described that way. And the thing you have to remember is that we're in the final empire and people don't generally wear white because ash is falling from the sky yeah, all the time. That's true. So this is kind of a statement that we are making here. Although she did tell him he could change the color of the cape. Yeah. It's like if you want if you want variety, change the color of the cape. You have six identical white uniforms in your closet. <laughs> just, I mean, you're just inviting problems, though. 
wear this white uniform and go out in the ash-coloured <laughs> area and keep your suit clean because yeah. you're a king. You know? I, I guess... Fight, but don't get dirty. <laughs> but don't get dirty. Yeah, I, I guess like her thinking, and, and it's actually kind of ingenious if you think about it. It's like, look at me. I don't care about Ash. I am bright, and I am the king. I, you know, the the world does not concern me. I am the king. I'm gonna wear white because it doesn't matter to me. And you, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And not only that is you are instantly the most visible person. Because no one wears something that light. No one else will be wearing this color, basically. So you stand out like that. I snapped. I don't know if that made it over the... That, that, that's what... <laughs> <laughs> I do like when Demo comes in and he's kind of like, Oh, um, Your Majesty. Uh, you could tell he was... like It was almost like he was going to talk a little more casually to him. And then when yep. he saw him, he was like, Oh, Your Majesty. Uh, this happened. And he's like, Oh, by the way, I like your the uniform. Captain, stop checking. At your king's ass. <laughs> well, we know we know Demo likes a good uniform, right? Yes, Demo loves <laughs> loves a uniform. He's like the opposite of Ham. <laughs> he gets the uniform on, and Tinville says, "Good. Once you learn to stand up straight, this will be a decent improvement." And then they're gonna cut his hair, and he's like, "No, you are not cutting my hair." And he says it firmly and with authority, and she's like, "All right then." And then he sees himself in the mirror, and it's like, "Wow." This really makes me look different. My hair looks bad with this. All right, go ahead and cut it. So it's kind of nice that he's willing to go along with this and even admit when he's he's like, no, you know what? This this hair doesn't fit with this new look. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they're holding it for a later chapter, but I really wanted to see Vin's reaction to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, gotta, you gotta wonder if she's gonna think positive, negative. She likes Ellen. And he gets a crown, a very simple crown, with no, like, adornment or anything, really. That I thought was too much, but, you know, I'm not the kingmaker or whatever. <laughs> well, and he makes an interesting point where he's like, the Lord Ruler didn't need to wear a crown and remind people. And uh, she's like, well, yeah, the Lord Ruler didn't need to remind anyone that he was in charge. Which, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's true. Although he did do that a lot by having people executed. It's true. Just slap people down with his allomancy. He did that too. He's like, it's like, oh, you're not obeying me hard enough. Bam! Into the dirt where you belong. Oh yeah, she tells him you will wear this crown from now on, whether you are in public or in private. Yeah. So then that just made me think. It's like, okay, so Ben and him are making out, and she's like, <laughs> get this crown off your head. And he's like, I'm not allowed to. I have to wear it all the time. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm taking a shower. Got to wear the crown. It's gonna make shampooing hard. Yep. <laughs> He eventually he's like, you know what? Thank you. I was hesitant at first, but this really makes a difference. And she's like, yeah, enough to fool people for now. He's like, what? She's like, yeah, you didn't think we were done, right? Well, (laughs) silly Ellen. Silly rabbit. My fair lady lessons do not end that quickly. (laughs) See, the crown is actually on his head so that he learns to stand up straight. Because the crown will fall off. Oh, yeah. That's true. Books are on your head and you're... You know, he might have appreciated that's, the that's really the purpose of the crown. He's a crown made out of a book. <laughs> he get distracted and he go, oh, what's this? Oh, <laughs> yeah. read it. And then, you know, three hours yeah. later. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> we, I want like a montage here. Like if this was a movie. It's like, you know, a montage of him learning to talk like a king, 
speak like a king. She even says he needs to like walk better. He's like, what? What's wrong with the way I walk? She's like, it's not. A, doesn't you don't walk like a king? That's for sure. And it's like, interesting. How does a king walk like that? <laughs> well, she knows apparently from those biographies detailed how a king walks. Uh, but it's interesting you say that because that is the one annotation that I wanted to touch on in this episode. Brandon writes, I chose to only show a few sections of Tindwell training Ellen. I figured that these could get laborious if I did too many of them. This isn't my fair lady, after all. We never get to see <laughs> Ellen learning to duel, for instance. As a writer, I tend to react strongly against things I've seen done too often. That doesn't always make me include them. That doesn't always make me not include them in books, but sometimes it does. Training a man with a sword, for instance, seems to be to have been done enough that you can just assume that it happened and imagine that it happening without me going into details about Ellen's practice sessions. Uh, this scene is included, however, and is rather important. Ellen's new look and his decision to let his hair get cut represent the first change we pull off for him, the visual one. So no, like, Rocky montage of Ellen's transformation because he doesn't want to retread ground that has been trodden by too many other people. But, yeah, well, we watched we watched Vin physically train, so I feel like yeah. we don't need two of that in one book, especially. <laughs> she ends with, however, it's going to take a lot more training before I'll actually trust you to interact with people and not embarrass yourself. He's like, oh, bloody hell, I gotta learn to talk <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of gets a dig in at him for allowing Vin to, like, rescue him all the time, basically. It's like, fortunately, the girl was there to the actual fighting. You apparently rely on her quite a bit for that sort of thing. He's like, well, she's a misborn. That's that's what they do. They do the fighting. And she says, that's no excuse for your slovenly lack of skill. She really does say slovenly a lot. You're not wrong. <laughs> Got herself one of those word-a-day calendars, yeah. and that was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> she says, you can perhaps learn to be a king, Ellen Venture. Until then, you'll have to learn to fake it. Yeah, she's definitely coming off like a Gerudo lady in this uh, scene. It's just like, yep. you men are terrible, especially you. <laughs> and the women are doing all the fighting. Like, you, nah, I'm going to have to shape you up. Now the Gerudo women would have been like, women are supposed to do all the fighting. You stand back. That's true. Yeah, they would have been like, get out of here. Yeah. I'll be the queen. <laughs> Let's make Vin queen. That would have been much better. Yeah. And then she meets Vin and just goes, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody talks I mean, like uh, talks like Eliza Doolittle, it's going to be Vin. She's like, oi, why are you getting my boyfriend to dress like that? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll add all of a twist. Yeah, I can't do Cockney very well. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely heard people do, like, do it worse, so... Wasn't there some play or something you did where I remember you were like, there's lots of different Irish accents and I have to get the Irish accent for the right region down for this. Oh, thing. yeah. I did a play called Dancing at Lunasa. It's a it's an Irish play with mostly women in the cast because we had a lot of women in the theater department at my high school. And I was my character was the only not Irish person. I was supposed to be Welsh. Oh, so oh Jesus I, Christ. Yeah, exactly. So I started learning a Welsh accent and then my director was like, I don't have time to like train you to do Ir them to do an Irish accent and you to do a Welsh accent. So just you just do Irish too. So we just <laughs> we ended up changing it. <sighs> Which in fairness, I mean, unless somebody really knew the play that was watching this high school performance, but nobody <laughs> nobody was gonna care. That's a fair point. Yeah. Well, I want to hear the oh, Welsh one. Like like in, as opposed to all the Irish ones, I feel like that would really stand uh, out. Oh yeah, it's uh, it was it's it's definitely different. If you've ever heard Catherine Zeta-Jones talk in her normal accent, she's Welsh. But it's 
it's different. But I mean, right. even in Ireland, I think, you know, Ireland's not a giant, giant country in landmass, right. but they've got like so many different dialects just in their country of how to speak. So, yep, I believe this. I once ran into trouble doing Christmas shopping of all things because I was I was bored. So every shop I went into, I just faked an Irish accent. And the last shop I went into, the guy behind the counter was himself Irish and started asking me where I was from, and I had to make some shit up on the fly. <laughs> oh, no. I'm from Kilkenny, but not the part of Kilkenny you probably know. I'm from different... <laughs> <laughs> I'm from uh, Dublin. Yeah, Dublin, of course. That's that's the one town I've heard of. <laughs> it's good. It'd be like that scene in Inglorious Bastards. where <laughs> it's what they It basically was that. <laughs> Like, I'm from a small town in the shadow of this mountain. Called Galway. <laughs> he passed and did a really good job? Or he's just gone, <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> he, well, he, he didn't yeah. call me on it, so to this day, I never I never found out if he believed me or not. He seemed to, but he could have just been laughing at me behind his sleeve. Never went back to that shop. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> uh, okay. I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> At least it wasn't like Welsh. And he's like, "What part of Wales are you from?" I'm like, "I don't fucking know any names of towns in Wales." <laughs> yeah. Cardiff. Uh, That's the only one I know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The t- 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 towns in Wales are like you basically have to make a whole lot of vowel sounds while being kicked down the stairs. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back to the back to the. Uh, yeah. Okay. Demu shows up, and Demu's like, "Hey, cool, cool uniform, dude." And. <laughs> He says that we have received a messenger from one of the kings. It's weird how he starts out with just like one of the kings to make Ellen specifically ask, oh, really? Uh, from Lord Set? He's like, no, it's from your father. And then he says, hey, do you know where, where Vin is? I haven't seen her all day. And he says, I think she's in her quarters. Do you want me to summon her? And she says, no. He says, Ellen says, no, I'll get her. So I think we may be going to get Joe's wish pretty quickly to find out what, uh, what Vin thinks because Ellen's on his way to get her. And... Uh, we have an interesting little end to the conversation and the chapter where he says, I'm going to do more than just fake being a king. And she's like, uh-huh, sure, sure. And it's like, what do you think makes a man a good king? Tinned will of Terrace. And she says, trust. A good king is one who is trusted by his people and who deserves that trust. And he just goes, hmm, and thinks that's a good answer and leaves. It's a very simple answer, but I think I probably agree that it's... Uh, a decent definition as any. I think the striking thing was the fact that she seemed to, she like, she wasn't blunt or cold or, you know, ordering him. It's like, don't ask the question that way. Ask it another way. I think she, her reaction sort of made me think she's thinking to herself, that's a good question to ask. You've done well. Here's an honest answer. And also the way you, the way he asked it. I agree with you. I think that that's her. Yeah. Like this is exactly the kind of question I want you to be asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could see a real turn here for Ellen and what she thinks of him in general. It's like once he is once he really starts putting things into practice and it's like, OK, I'm going to dress the part. And when she, and I think she's almost goading him when she's saying it's like, oh, yeah, you look good enough to fake it. Like she's she's wanting him to want this because that's the only way it's going to get done correctly and properly. Yeah. So I think there's a real turn in this in this se- this section scene, if you will, in the book. So it's it's definitely a good scene. 
Okay, I think, uh, and we have several emails today, so I want to keep us from running too horribly long so that the edit won't be torturous. So let's move into <laughs> predicaments, and who wants to go first with some predictions for what we will see coming up? So I think, I don't know how immediately Ellen's going to meet with his father. I know that he's just Demo, Demo, however you say his name, has just come in and said, hey, we got a response, it's from your father. I don't know how quickly that's going to take place, but my prediction for that is, especially with the way he's dressed, I think Venture's probably one who can see through his son most easily because it's his son. So there may be a little bit of surprise on Venture's part when he sees his son this way, but I think it's kind of kind of strip him bare of the pomp and frills that he's putting on himself right now. So I don't know um, if that's going to go Ellen's way necessarily, or if it does... I think maybe Venture will have his dad. Venture will have something uh, more devious in mind that kind of like getting getting the knife in the back prepared. That's what I imagine happening. I'm sticking with my uh, theory that this Chandra is not Orser. It's uh, some other Chandra. And if and and I mean if um, if Straff Venture sent the Chandra, then it could be because we know he had a Chandra from the last book under his employ under his contract i don't know if that conjurer was ever named i don't think it was yes yeah, that, 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 that conjurer had a name it was okay. uh, it was give me a second ten soon that yeah that was so i'm gonna say that this that orser is no longer alive and ten soon is actually the conjurer that is with vin that's uh that's my prediction for that and i think uh Sage's gonna arrive back pretty quick i'm almost hoping he doesn't i hope like on his way there, more bad stuff happens because I feel like that's the most not not to him specifically, but I feel like that's the most exciting part of the book to me so far is the stuff that's going on outside of Luthadel. So um, I almost hope he's delayed even more just so that we get kind of some more uh, creepy, cool mystery stuff. But I, I, I imagine he'll get back pretty quick and uh, maybe he'll maybe that's where then leaving the city will will come into play. Say like there's something larger going on outside and um, i know you think ellen needs you but the world needs you more like we got to get out of here we got to go figure this out it's interesting you say that because i kind of agree that th there's something nice about the outside luthadel chapters and i think it's that the book has been designed with these luthadel chapters to make you feel what they're feeling this trapped luthadel's under siege everyone's trapped here and so it's like a relief to get these outside of Luthadel chapters, even when they're super creepy, because you don't feel trapped. Okay. Jamie, what do you got? Um, so I was talking a little bit earlier about I didn't think that the crew were going to get an opportunity to actually enact their plan. I think Sazed, Sazed will make it back. Sazed is coming from a different direction, too, than the two armies that are that are coming outside Luthadel. So I think Sazed will get back in. I like the idea that Vin will also get out, but I don't know that they're going to run straight north to the to the Well of Ascension or anything. I think whatever's happening with the mists outside Luthadel at the moment will possibly wipe out the armies. Maybe not wipe them out entirely, but I think that will that will sort of happen. And I think that Luthadel, I think Luthadel largely, and that will be okay. But they will need to sort of make decisions on are they going to shelter the other armies you know what what's going to happen there will they have to start working together against this biggest the, this bigger problem because it's going to be a problem for all of them 
and sazed is the one with that message now this sense of urgency that stuff is getting really weird so i can't imagine that it's just limited to uh, the eastern dominance either um it's getting a bit crazy especially seeing as we do have a mist monster of sorts in Lutherdale. yeah i don't think it's it's going to be long before we see something happen there that's probably my biggest one for this this week i also like why do we have why do we have something else eating people why <laughs> just why it probably is just, you know, starvation and, and hunger and, and all that sort of stuff. But part of me was like, oh, how do you go from being a mist wraith to becoming some sort of Kandra? I know you just sort of eat things and absorb them, but could this be like a young, a, a sort of in between a mist wraith and a Kandra? It's a bit crazy. I don't know. Something was weird about that to me as well. But I don't know if I'm just looking for things where there's just crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, a real eat eat or be. Sorry. <laughs> it's a real it's a real eat or be eaten atmosphere here oh yeah or, 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 or <laughs> is it much. dog eat dog because the conjures a dog get it good one yeah hilarious <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's you have some interesting points there why did why did we need some something else eating things people <laughs> guys <laughs> yeah yeah I, I just that the whole chapter just really irked me and it, it doesn't fill me with confidence for that army or <laughs> armies outside Lutherdale either and then if we get missed zombies that's just an extra level isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah if both armies get destroyed by the mist somehow and turn into zombies then there's a zombie <laughs> army outside a double-sized zombie army yeah, look, I do, I do think that's sort of the least likely outcome, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely, hmm. the armies are not going to have a good time, and I, I, I think yeah. that will distract them. You know, you've got Luthadel and Ellen and the crew are all planning on how they're going to sort of play the armies against each other, and I just, I don't think they're ever going to really get the opportunity. Whether it's whether Venture comes to Luthadel, maybe, maybe Ellen and Vin and some of them are actually outside Luthadel and are caught up in it. And they, they have to run, you know. Maybe they run to the Well of Ascension. I, I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but I can't imagine it'll take long for once Sage gets back for Vin to try and go. Well, look, you know what? I'm experiencing all of this with the mist at the moment. Here's the research that I've been doing. There's something more to it. There's, there's no choice. We have to go there. So I think we'll start to see that unfold fairly quickly. Hmm. Okay, Dak, predict. I don't have much, and most of what I did have was largely covered by the others. I think that the two armies are going to get beset by something to do with the mist monsters. That or something else. I don't know what, but like something is going to drop in and completely break the conflict between the cities and everything's going to go to hell. And mm. uh, as a result, Sazed, Sazed and Vin are going to have to leave and head to the well for some reason. I do think that when they get to the well, they're going to find the Inquisitors all camped out there trying to do something of their own accord because that between the fact that the inquisitors weren't at the conventicle and marsh has now disappeared as well i feel like the inquisitors are somewhere building their strength preparing to do something themselves where maybe they're going to try and repeat whatever happened at the well of ascension and turn one of their number into a new hero of ages mm. or lord ruler or something i feel like yeah the inquisitors are up to something and it's going to be something to do with heading to the well 
the fact that they had Quan's little note thing, the uh, note, <laughs> big ass word wall in the bottom <laughs> of their home, and they had access to Elendi's logbook as well. Yeah, we we talked earlier about how we think Quan might have been the first Inquisitor, so I think there might be some truth to that. And I think so. I think they know what goes on up there or what's meant to happen. And now the Lord Ruler is gone. They're trying to find some way to fill the void themselves with. We saw how power hungry they were, so I feel like that's mm-hmm. going to come into play. So maybe it's just like it's not going to be Says who takes Vin out of the city. Maybe the two of them will be standing on the walls, just going, "Shit, what do we do?" And then Marsh pops up and says, "You two, come with me." Okay. Some interesting stuff there. I. I'm going to jump in and make a prediction. How, how you say? Well, <laughs> so for, that was for, the word going through my head. Yes. <laughs> for next time, we are covering chapters 17, 18 and 19. That is once again, three chapters. And while I'm thinking about it, I'm going to type in 17. Is that your prediction 18, that we're going to cover those chapters? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> like, oh man, what an easy prediction. No. So I, it's like the, is, the next, Harry Potter thing. It's like, like, oh, the the, the fortune telling teacher is just like, oh, I predict that you know your exam will involve the crystal ball. And Hermione's like, <laughs> yep. she sets the she exam. Sets the exam. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. It's like the, the the spirits have shown me that it'll be relevant to your exam. Uh, but no. So these next three chapters are really interesting, and I'm going to try to hype you up without actually spoiling anything by Ooh. predicting. How you how these next three chapters are gonna go when you guys are gonna read it, okay? And then next time when we start out, you guys can let me know whether I was in any way close. Ooh, okay. Wait, so I, wait, 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 wait. Won't your preconceived prediction affect us? Maybe it might. We're gonna see. Eisenberg uncertainty principle. Whatever yeah. you study, you also change. Yeah. So I'm telling you, these are interesting chapters. Maybe more so than almost every time I'm like, oh, these next ones are good chapters, right? It's uh, it's like Conan O'Brien coming out and saying, this is gonna be, we had a great, great show tonight. And then some nights he's like, I, I lie about that sometimes. Sometimes it's not really a great show. But I just have to say that. <laughs> it's, it's the show we have. So I'm telling you that these next three chapters are interesting chapters, and here's how I think it will go when you're reading. You're going to read chapter 17, and you're like, oh, he was right. There was That's kind of interesting. There's some interesting stuff in there. And then you're going to read chapter 18. You're like, oh, oh, no, this is what he was talking about. This is, wow, okay, that was interesting. And then you're going to read chapter 19, and you're going to be like, holy crap, how does it keep building? It can't possibly keep building like that. This is insane. That's my prediction. Wow. Right. And and not only that, but, like, we're only 20, like, 22% in right now, so. Mm -hmm. So. That is, uh, we are at the end of this chapter, 24%, according to mine. But anyway, that is my prediction for next time. You guys are going to tell me at the beginning whether or not, how how close I was. And maybe I've biased you, and you're going to be like, ah, he made it sound way better than it was. But uh, we're going to see. I am easily biased and jaded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have, we have four emails today. And we're going to... Jesus. Uh, we're going to look at these emails. There's not a whole lot to read from some of them because some of them were uh, much more for me than for you guys, but uh, I do want to touch on them all. So uh, our first email is from Scott and he had questions for me about what you guys know and don't know in some ways and some comments about what we've talked about, which I won't read any of that obviously. But the the one thing I read from him is his sign off here where he goes really loving the show. And I look forward to it every Monday regards Scott. So I want to make sure that you guys got at least that much. I didn't want to go to uh, without me digging into the rest of the stuff. But thank you, Scott. 
We Thanks love you, the man. encouragement, and uh, we're really glad to hear that people are enjoying the show. I enjoy hey, making just, it. Hopefully, everyone ooh, I was gonna say on Scott's email too. In terms of like what we know, pretty much what you hear when we're talking <laughs> about is what we know. Like we don't talk about this outside our recording sessions either. Uh, so that's. There, the, the Dak and Jamie are on such a different time zone than us that we rarely get much talking in any way done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and it, the it, only it, times I talk to Dak at all outside of, I don't talk to Jamie at all outside of this. And the only times I talk to Zach is if on the off chance we're both on Xbox at the same time, which doesn't happen super often. And we don't ever talk about the book. Nah. Uh, we have, our next email is from Jason, who may or may not have uh, emailed us before. I think that does. J- Jason email. sounds familiar. Yeah. I, I did that on purpose and we'll get there. So Jason says, just finished listening to your third Wall of Session episode. This is just to say for the best. Quick drop in by Data while editing here to say that somehow the recording gods smote a full minute of our recording here. So a lot of Jason's email has gone missing. Sorry, Jason. I'll bring you back in the middle of our discussion. Girl. Only girl. He's, yeah. He says he's making a point of running with the whole not knowing names thing now, which is why he mentions. Oh, we made guy. it a thing. Yep. Uh, well, whatever you say, Grayson. <laughs> so uh, he says, I'm going to keep emailing you guys until host guy says that I have emailed before. I am the only person who emailed guy. multiple times and not have that said. So I will keep emailing oh. after that. I need to beat Retro Rocket in volume. So uh-huh. that's that's why I started out with he may or may not have emailed this before. <laughs> Uh, so he's like, I have a few things to say. Um, one of them I can't read on on the air. He says, two, last novel, Host Guy mentioned that it is planned to be adopted as a movie, hopefully. Brandon has said that he wants the second book to be more of a miniseries and look more at the side characters. What do you guys think? Uh, and I, I have heard that. I didn't actually said it, but I saw people talking about it, saying that Brandon said something like he'd like to make movies of the first and third book and then have the second book be like more of a miniseries type thing. Which I don't know how that would work. How you can do a trilogy and yeah, that's weird. A miniseries in the middle. Yeah, I, I guess uh, sh- shoot like shoot the movie, release it if it does well. Shoot, you could shoot the series and the film at the same time and have a film be like right when the mini ser- series ends, the film comes out. Maybe I mean, you'd... would it would it be like the? Not so much that doesn't happen these much these days, but like the Harry Potter, Twilight, and Hunger Games movies all had like one movie got split in half would you do that for the second movie instead of the last one huh that would be interesting so instead of like a mini series just like a double movie that kind of makes sense i guess yeah Uh, i mean it could sort of work i I don't know it's also hard for us to tell because we're only a quarter of the way through the book we don't know what events would need to be focused on and Mm -hmm. what have you well we do know though that says like says journey at the moment is really interesting and totally separate to what's going on in Lutherdell. Like you couldn't, I feel like in a film, you couldn't really jump between those. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like still get all think, of the information. You think the Lord of the Rings movies, they jumped pretty concisely, even though Frodo and Sam were isolated um, from the others for like two whole movies, but they jumped between them fairly seamlessly. Mm. Man. But so the movie those... just has to be like really four hours long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll have to make the say scenes less of a snooze fest than the Frodo Sam scenes, because let me tell you, snoozerama for me. <laughs> really? Go- Gollum didn't do it for you? 
There's dude dripping off Gollum. Rotting off Gollum is the uh, Gollum is the spook of Lord of the Rings for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? I I really can't stand Gollum. Okay. Okay. That no. I'm 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 gonna let that go there. The final thing that he has to say is, I've been reading the preview chapters of Rhythm of War, and I can now identify with your plight one or two chapters a week is not enough. So, in November, Brandon has his next big book coming out, his next Stormlight Archive book, and he's been releasing one chapter a week since July. And so he's going to release, I think, the whole first section before the book actually comes out. And so, it is tough, one chapter a week. I mean, uh, um, Jason is sharing your pain here. You guys get to read more than one chapter, though, so... But, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's stressful. <laughs> it's stressful when I can only read one chapter of uh, this new book a week. I, I'm, I can't wait for November. <laughs> you guys don't have that to look forward to. Forward to <laughs> no, that's true. We, we hit the line, and you can read the whole rest of the book. Nope. Oh, boy. Well, uh, Lawson, thanks for your first email. <laughs> um, <laughs> we really appreciate you reaching out to us. You know, Just call an email guy. <laughs> you're obviously a super fan, so... <laughs> I've, I've totally been putting y'all's name names all in more of the episode summaries since i realized i was like i think i've done that once and then we talked about how like somebody wasn't spelling the names correctly and i was like i haven't given them much of a chance um, so i've been pu- putting that in there a little more no we talked about it because someone did spell the names correctly right, we were yeah. surprised. so um yeah. thanks have... again for the email godfrey <laughs> <laughs> thanks email guy we appreciate it our third email is from Atif, who has left comments on Podbean before, and he notes that he's also Banjo Bob on Instagram, who we talked about last time, or the time before last time, whatever it was that I was like, Banjo Bob's cool name. And he says, thanks for complimenting my Instagram name. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, he says, hi, Data. Love the name. I will forever think of Brent Spiner's Data from Star Trek Next Generation. That That, that is the source of the name. So, thank you. Yeah, especially that episode of, uh, where, what is that, uh, Masks? When he plays all the different voices, that one's good. Oh, we just watched that episode the other day as I'm watching through with my wife. That's a season seven episode. And uh, anyway, he says a bunch of stuff that I cannot, uh, I cannot uh, pull out on here. A lot of questions okay. that wanted me to, you know, personally kind of discuss with him. And uh, I even gave him my Reddit username to be like, hey, totally happy to, you know, talk about the Cosmere stuff whenever. But one thing that I can read is that he says, love this podcast. You've made my Monday mornings infinitely better. Sometimes I look forward something I look forward to as soon as I finish every episode, which is typically by noon on each Monday. Uh, I could go on and on about how grateful and thankful I am for this podcast. A huge thanks to all four of you for doing this. This year has been the hardest of my life, and this podcast definitely helped a ton. So thank you, Atif slash Banjo Bob. We are glad that we could help out and really glad that you're enjoying it. Always glad to hear from anyone who's enjoying the show, but uh, it's nice to know that we have made a difference in some way. Oh, and then we get to Peter. Our last email is from Peter. And Peter's, uh, the subject of his email is the most infuriating Sanderson book. (laughs) And he says, welcome to the most infuriating Sanderson book. Uh, (laughs) I don't know that I agree with him or, or disagree with him necessarily, but I get where he's coming from here. He says, once you figure out the big twist was staring you in the face the whole time, you'll want to tear your hair out. Okay. And then he has a a, a, a just-for-data note about specifically what he's talking about, because as with the previous book, there are several um, surprises as we continue. Some of them, you know, on the way. Some of them when we get, like, towards the end. And so he's specifying which one he's talking about. And um, 
I think I, I want to say this because uh, obviously they can't comment on uh, surprises that they aren't aware of yet. But these folks are so good at uh, at picking up on stuff because we're talking about it. And, you know, I don't want to take anything away from y'all because you guys are good at examining stuff and figuring stuff out. But I think a big part of it is the way that we're reading these books we've talked about before, where it's much easier to spot little nuggets and hints when we're doing a few chapters at a time and then looking at them in a really detailed way. Right. Yeah. So, Oh yeah, for sure. I think that these guys are good enough at this and smart enough that they are going to pick up on the twist that Peter's talking about or the surprise rather that Peter's talking about at, at a very early point, much earlier than probably uh, most people did. And I'm going to go so far as to make another prediction here. And I'm not going to say a chapter because that would be too much of a potential spoiler and you guys would be on the lookout too much. Uh, I'm going to say, but by episode 10 or 11 of uh, of our coverage of Oil of Ascension, and we are today on episode 5. I think this is our fifth episode. That was Sorry, that was Cats. We're on episode 5. Cats! Today. I think by episode 10 or 11 that they will have begun or uh, maybe uh, completely picked up on this uh, this surprise that most Ooh. people might not, uh, including myself, might not have spotted till more like episode 20. So that's my prediction. We'll see if that comes to pass. Hmm. That is the last of our emails. Thank you, everyone, for uh, your emails. And if anyone else would like to send us emails, it is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at thesanderlanch. We, uh, we usually get like two retweets every, uh, every week. We get muggins retweets or, or likes rather our tweets almost every week and then joe and the, those are the two like <laughs> likes that we get regularly and uh so yeah you know just keeping it going find us on twitter if you like you can leave comments on our Podbean. you can find us on facebook instagram all good places it's all the sander lanch one word e at the end of it music by miracle of sound remembering to throw that out there does anyone else want to uh any last comments before we wrap up the episode nothing for me I'm good. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, wasing to the time of next, everyone. Did I say that right? Did I actually get it right that time? Wasing to the I think time? it was. I think that was right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. All that die, 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 we're keeping in our hands. Never let it fade